Hello and welcome to Sporting for His Glory. I'm so excited that you're here to listen to the latest episode and today I have an absolutely amazing guest. Honestly, it's a huge privilege as well to have him here on the show. And this is Stuart Weir. And Stuart Weir has been in sports ministry since 1990. Firstly, in Christians in Sport from 1990 to 2006, then from 2006 to present at Verity Sport. Stuart's passion is to apply the Bible to sport and to help elite Christian athletes to process their sport experience as Christians. He's also the author of books on sport and faith and a journal article on worshipping God in and through sport. And he plays football three times a week. So I'm looking forward to asking about that, especially. And I hope Stuart doesn't mind me mentioning that he is 73 years old, but age is just a number. So he's a man of great experience and wisdom. So thank you so much, Stuart, for being with us today. My pleasure. And I mean, the entire uh, podcast is about the goal I scored this morning, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I remember my first real encounter with sports ministry and, and you know, thinking about how faith and sport connects was definitely through you and through Verity Sport. And I'll never forget the wonderful weekly emails from you that were always a huge encouragement, you know, and I've been training over the years as well, just encouraging Christians uh, through their training, through their competition. So I definitely appreciate that. And also seeing you at lots of sporting events like the Doha 2015 World Championships and other events as well. And it's always lovely to see you in the mix zone because, I mean, the mix zone can sometimes be quite scary. So I remember when I saw you, I was always like, oh, phew, Stuart's here. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so that's great too. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was... uh, 2015 was certainly the first major event I saw you in. And then 2017 World Championships, um, 2016 um, Paralympics, and uh, 2019 in, in Dubai World Championships. Yeah. Yeah. So before we start off, as usual on the podcast, we just start with a prayer. Just to encourage you guys who are listening. And yeah, it's just my hope that you learn a lot from this and really just enjoy it as well. So thank you, Lord, for this moment again. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity for us to really delve deeper into who you are, into the amazing gifts that you've given us, to the amazing things that you do through sport, Lord. And I just pray that those who listen will, you know, learn a lot and and grow in wisdom around these topics as well, Lord. And I just pray that they'll be encouraged. I pray that they'll be motivated to worship you in absolutely everything that they do, even if it isn't necessarily you know, the spiritual things, but actually the fact that you can be worshipped through everything that we do, through our gifts, through sport. And yeah, so thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for Stuart as well, for his great experience and wisdom, all that he's done for Christians in sport, in terms of encouraging Christians in the sporting world as well. So yeah, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fab. So my first question actually is, about football. So tell me about football. How long have you been playing and has it always been an interest of yours? Well, football has always been an interest of mine, definitely. Um, I mean, I played um, when I was young. I played when I was a student. I played as a young adult and probably I stopped playing in my early 30s. Um, And then suddenly, three years ago, I discovered something called walking football which is just exactly the same as normal football, except you walk instead of run. And 
if you're 73, that's a great advantage. <laughs> and I play up to three times a week, and um, I've played three times this week, and I've been in the winning team each time. You know, sometimes we just, it's just our club and we're just picking two teams to play against each other, but it's always a good thing to win. And since you asked, I did score a goal this morning. Uh, I don't score a lot of goals, but I scored today, and that's always a great moment. It never gets any less exciting. Ah, oh, that's amazing. That's really cool. I didn't really know about walking football, but yeah, that, that sounds really good, actually. And it's great because it, it makes it more accessible as well, you know, to others, which is always amazing. And were there any other sports that, you know, you enjoyed maybe prior to even working in sport or any other sports that you take part in? I still play a bit of golf. I mean, when I was young, I played all sorts of things. I played rugby at school, didn't really in, enjoy it. Played cricket, uh, enjoyed that. Um I've never enjoyed running for running. I mean, I still do a bit of running, but it's just for fitness. Uh, I'm not one of these people who who goes out and runs uh, for uh, for pleasure. And I mean, there's some people who apparently run a marathon and do it all in the same day. Uh, I mean, I tell people that I've run loads of marathons, but why do it all in the same day? <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I think I know a lot of people who do marathons, and I'm like, wow, that is a lot. You must, you must really enjoy running well, or racing. Except um, a mutual acquaintance of ours, Brent Lacatus. Yeah, started off as a sprinter, and now he does marathons. So uh, <laughs> might we see you doing um, wheelchair marathons? <laughs> maybe. I mean, I, I did the London Mini Marathon a couple of times as a junior. So yeah, maybe one day. It's a long way to go for sure. Definitely a step above the 180 meters. <laughs> so in terms of your faith as well, I know you've been a Christian for all your life, but was there a moment where your faith became exceptionally real to you or a moment that really sticks out in your faith journey? Well, if you grow up in a Christian family and you've always gone to church, there's a sense that you just accept it and you believe it. But I remember when I went to university, I was away from home. I was in London. And I did have a sense then of thinking, okay, you know, nobody actually knows if I'm going to go to church today or not. Um, and so there's a moment where you have to make that decision for yourself. Uh, and at that point, I definitely decided that uh, I did believe in Jesus and I did want to be a Christian um, and that I was going to get involved in, um, in a church as a student and then uh, in adult life. So... So I suppose it's it's a lot of confirmations of the initial early faith. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting because especially when I was speaking to Marilyn as well, she said a similar thing in terms of university being that moment. So yeah, it's interesting how that's quite similar. And in terms of even, I guess, being brought up in church and how even through that, you know, you get to a point where you it almost becomes, you know, more personal to you as well. Yes, yes, I think that's right because there's no point in – you can't live in your family's faith. You've got to have your own faith. Yeah. So when did you begin to actually join, you know, faith and your love for Jesus with your love for sport? Um, I mean, I can remember actually how it all started. Uh, mm. I was listening to a BBC radio program one Sunday morning and John Motson, the uh, football commentator, mentioned something called Christians in sport. And I had never thought of how faith 
and sport could come together. So I wrote to John Watson at the BBC, and he wrote back and put me in touch with um, uh, Christensen Sport, and I became a volunteer. Then I worked there for 16 years. That came to an end, um, and uh, then I wanted to carry on doing that, so I just set up my own little charity, Verity Sport. Um, but it's something very much... Uh, excites me having learned about it because for for someone like you um sport is a is your job it's it's very much in a part of your life um and so to me it'd be quite strange if if you have to be a christian on sunday uh and the rest of the week you're an athlete yeah yeah that is that's really interesting actually that's very thought-provoking so it's about bridging that gap that yeah you're you're one person aren't you so your faith is always going to impact everything that you do so as an athlete you have to be equipped to actually bring that into what you do you know as an athlete so in terms of applying that so how do we actually apply you know faith and the bible to sport mm-hmm. i mean i love a, a quote i read from uh, a professor of theology uh, william barclay who who said um some people say, I'm going to church to worship God, and that's great. But I hope they also say, I'm going to the office to worship God. I'm going to the factory to worship God. And so, uh, and they say, I would therefore say to you, on that day you worship God with your church on Sunday. But I hope that you also feel you worship God on a Monday morning when you're doing reps around the, the track and your arms are falling off. But there's a sense in which you're giving everything you've got to God by using the ability that you've been given. And I mean, I remember the the Olympic swimmer, Penny Haynes, said that she sometimes thought that the best worship she could offer was just giving her all and getting everything out of the talent that God had give her, given her and recognizing in the way that perhaps some athletes don't recognize that the source of that ability to swim fast comes from God. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really amazing. It's true because God's given us the ability to do what we do. So when we're doing it, we're giving it back to him, I guess essentially, realizing, yeah, the source of where it's come mm-hmm. from. You see, I'd go further and actually say that that I mean it's not God didn't create sport as such, but God gave us bodies which enable us uh to go fast, uh, you know, to uh run, jump, throw catch, uh, propel a wheelchair at ridiculous speeds the way you do. And, you know, that's a gift from God. And I also think, I mean, just just as I, at my age, pathetic though it may be, I'm excited that I scored a goal. We are competitive. You know, God has put mm-hmm. a competitiveness uh, within us. You'd be a strange person if you came off a race having finished um, third, and you weren't thinking, oh, I wish I'd won that race, because, you know, that's all part of it. God has made us to want to do the best we can. And mm-hmm. so, again, I mean, I think that that is part of our worship, that we um, that we give, as you put it, our gifts back to God by, ju- by just using them. You know, uh, somebody I'm, I've been privileged to get to know a little bit is Shelley Ann Fraser-Price. Uh, you know, the uh, ridiculously at the age of 35 <laughs> running faster than ever and you know the fastest woman on the planet um at the moment and uh, you know she, she says 
Um, just let me just find the, exactly what, what, what she said. She said, you know, when I stand on the line, I just remind myself, you're a child of God, and that makes me feel special. And I also think what I'm doing today, I'm doing for God. And actually, she, she says, when she finishes, uh, she will actually say, I hope that you are pleased with my worship for running is my worship, my way of worshiping God because he has given me the talents. And another thing that I think is phenomenal, she told me that she has taught herself at the end of a race to smile, whether she's won, whether she's lost, just to smile so that that she doesn't give the impression to people, you know, I'm cross when I lose uh, and I'm happy when I win. But actually to feel if I've done everything I can, if I've given it to God, I'll just say thank you and smile. Yeah, I really love that in terms of also having that joy in what you do. And I love how she also said, you know, she wants her running to please God, essentially, yes. about pleasing yes. God. And I love that because yes. I think in sport as well, it's easy to fall into that trap of, guess, oh, I want to please the coach. I want to mm. please my parents. I want to please, you know, those who are watching mm. as well. Mm. And again, linking to identity, mm -hmm. which I think is always a huge topic when we talk, talk about faith and sport, how she's talking about being a child of God and, and that being her identity and I guess her being grounded, mm -hmm. you know, um, in her faith in God. So what do you think about that? You know, in terms of identity, because I know a lot of, um, you know, athletes struggle with mm. that. Yeah. So in terms of navigating um, Christianity mm. and sport, how important do you think identity is to that? Well. I mean, the, the, prob the problem that we have to have to deal with is that you're judged on your performance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the if you break the world record, you are the fastest person in the world. Um, you are the best, and inevitably. Uh, some of your identity is in that because it's your job and you want to be the best best you, you can. But then what happens on the day when it, when it doesn't go well? Um, when you lose, either because you've just got an opponent who is better than you or because you don't perform on the day the way you, you would have liked to have performed. Um, so if your identity is too much wrapped up in that, then you've got to be miserable. You've got to be happy when you win and and frustrated when you lose. And, I mean, there's an element of that. But equally, if you see the bigger picture, as I mean, as Shelley said, if, you do, if you're going to thinking, you know, I'm a child of God, isn't that amazing? Um, it just puts it in perspective. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't expect you ever to be on the start line thinking, well, I'm a Christian, so it doesn't matter whether I win or lose. I would expect you to be there doing absolutely everything you can um, to go as fast as you can. Um, I mean, at the moment, obviously, you have got uh, a rival who's pretty good, and th that that is a challenge. But, I mean, you are there doing the best you can, and it matters to you what you do um, because, uh, you know, years and years ago, there was a film called Chariots of Fire, and interesting, Eric Liddell ran in the 1924 Olympics in Paris. And strangely enough, 100 years later, there's going to be um, uh, an Olympics in Paris. And see, Eric Liddell said, God made me for a purpose, and he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And he said, not to 
put everything into his races would be to hold God in contempt. I, you know, I'm, I'm not taking seriously the talent that God has given me. I mean, those were the words attributed to him in the film. Um, and I, I think that that's good you know, to have both sides of that. You know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. But at the same time, if I'm not really trying as hard as I possibly can, if I haven't trained the best I can for the race, in a way I'm, in his words, holding God in contempt that I'm I'm saying, well, I'm not really taking that talent that you gave me too seriously. I'm not prepared to do my side. I'm not prepared to work. Um, deep thoughts. Yeah, that's also really interesting. Yeah, because it's true. We've still got a responsibility to do something. Because I remember being asked, um, I think it was like through Songs of Praise, they asked like, oh, you know, like, um, do you pray that you'll win or something like that? This is kind of a jokey question. But obviously, at the end of the day, we still have to work hard. It's not like God just makes us win. So I think that quote that you mentioned is true in terms of the fact that actually we've got to work hard and um, yeah, worship god through what we do um but recognize that once we've put everything that we've got on the track whoever it is you know that's it and knowing that our identity is still secure once we've you know done that yeah it's a great question about whether you pray to win uh, i mean i remember talking to a kenyan elite athlete and i said to her, what should i pray for you and she said, she said pray that i win <laughs> um and i thought mm, not sure about that but actually she was the world champion so I thought, if I pray that you do the best you can, mm. you probably will win. But I think I could, I would draw the line at praying because, in a way, if I'm praying that one athlete wins, then I'm praying that another one doesn't. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, I, one of one of one of the things that I have been privileged to do is um, run Bible studies for athletes mm. at events, and I remember one year at the Diamond League final. We had four uh, sprint hurdlers at the Bible study, and the next day, one of them was going to win $25,000. And I was quite intrigued what the dynamics would be like. But, I mean, they were great, and they just sort of prayed for each other and wished each other all the best and sort of, I hope you run the best race you can. And one of them went out and won $25,000, and the other three didn't. <laughs> But I mean, I thought it was great that as Christians, they were able just to separate that competitiveness. You know, say, look, we'll be competitive on the track tomorrow, but why shouldn't we sit down as friends tonight? And I think that sport should be like that, that, you know, you can, you you want to be as competitive as possible on the track. But afterwards, you can say, well done to your opponent uh, and you can be friends. Uh, you know, you, you don't have to hate your opponent uh, in order to to be competitive yeah exactly there's definitely a civil way to be competitive yeah it's just about yeah. everybody just wants to do their best isn't it so yeah yeah so in terms of verity sport how did that begin and and why did you want to create verity sport well um it was never my intention i had been at christensen for for 16 years uh some changes occurred and there really just wasn't a place for me anymore. And I felt I had a calling, if that's the right word, to continue to work as a Christian in sport. And so I just uh, set up my own little charity 
Um, and I'm the only person who's ever, I'm now uh, no longer taking a salary, but I, I did until I reached pension age, take a salary. And uh, I mean, the aim of the organization is to create a Christian presence in sport. And we do various things. Like a, a major part is that I, this season, I have been to, I think it's 16 uh, elite uh, track and field athletics events and just go there and sort of try to support athletes, um, uh, pray for them, pray with them if they want, uh, sometimes to organize uh, an athlete Bible study. But then alongside that, one idea I had was to try to um, identify people doing interesting things around the world uh, to see could we offer a little bit of help that would just make them more effective at doing what they wanted to do, not in any way wanting to take over. And one of the projects we've had for about 10 years is in Ukraine. And of course, suddenly that has become a completely different issue. And I'm incredibly proud and amazed and humbled that we've been able to send £20,000 to a partner in Ukraine this year because just so many people have really identified with this. And I have good links with the Football Association. And they sent 40 large boxes of football kit to Ukraine. Uh, I mean, you can see pictures on, on, on our website, uh, Verite, V-E-R-I-T-E, sport.org. Um, and it's just, just been great to be a channel through which uh, our generous supporters and even the Football Association um, have wanted to do things to help um, particularly children in Ukraine who have effectively lost their childhood uh, through the war um, to, to have an opportunity just to play some sport. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. It's, it's really good. And it shows how, you know, sport is empowering, you know, for people wherever they are. Yes. And just how that can really just support and encourage, you know, people, especially in uh, such a difficult situation like what's going on in Ukraine. So, yeah, that's really great mm -hmm. to hear of the work you're doing. So in terms of the Bible studies, I know you do the elite uh, Bible studies all over the world. So in terms of the Bible, how do you find the word of God being, you know, an encouragement to athletes? Like how come it's a Bible study that, you know, you decide to support athletes with? Well, I think that the Bible is God's wisdom. And, you know, I don't have a lot of wisdom myself, so it's better if I direct them towards God's wisdom. Uh, I mean, I, I'd started going to athletics meetings probably, um, I suppose when I, when I started Verity Sport about 2006 and uh, I, I went to the... Uh, the Olympics in Beijing 2008, and then I started going to more events. And probably about 10 years ago, I'd got to know a few athletes who were Christians. And I, I just said to two American athletes quite separately, do you think it would work to try to do a Bible study at something like a Diamond League? And both of them quite independently said the same thing. I think it's a great idea, but I don't know how well it would work. And both have proved to be completely true because we've had 160 different athletes attend on at least one occasion. But the challenge is 
when are you going to do it? Typically, we try to do it the night before. You know, Diamond League, people are probably there for two to three days, and you have the competition on one day. And we try to do our balto the night before. And you choose a time, and then you find that the bus bringing athletes back from training is late, or the time that they serve dinner in the hotel clashes, or athletes need to have a massage. And so you're fighting all of that, uh, and we just try to be totally flexible. I mean, I, I have literally seen us do a Bible study, uh, get a message that a group of athletes were on a bus that was broken down but wanted to come to the Bible study, and literally we finished the Bible study and a group of athletes walked in and uh, we just started again and did the same Bible study again with a different group of, of athletes. Uh, and again, it's, it's just we're thinking of particularly American athletes who are perhaps in Europe for three or four um, weeks who don't have the opportunity to go to their church. I mean, they can now these days watch services online, but actually to physically meet with other Christians is what we can offer. Um, and, you know, of that 160 athletes, probably – about 20 would be people that I have asked, and all the others are just, you know, one athlete comes and they bring a friend. Um, and it just gets around that there's, that, that there's a Bible study and, and athletes who are interested come along, and we're just there to serve. And I work with a, um, a lady called Jules Wilkinson at Christensen Sport, and, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it, it's been great. I mean, all we want to do is just encourage athletes um, in their faith. And, you know, it seems a very glamorous life to travel around Europe competing. But it's also, you know, it can be quite miserable that, you know, you go to Rome and you run badly um, and then you have to go, you know, to Stockholm and run again and your confidence is down and you're sharing a room in a hotel with somebody you don't really get on with, and all these things. So it's not as glamorous as it seems. Uh, and, you know, you fly into Rome and off to Stockholm, and you don't see anything of the city at all. You could be anywhere. You just see a hotel and a track, um, and you wait around for things to happen. So uh, just just being there and also just, just being there to have a coffee with somebody, you know, just if, if they're bored. Um, you know, we're there just to have a coffee, not even to, to, to talk about anything religious or Christian, but just just to be a friend and just just to chat. And and, and I mean, at times, I mean, I've I've found that you know the the self confidence thing is of an athlete can be a very brittle thing, and you know, you can you can a bad performance because you're judged on your performance and. You know, I, I, remember, I remember a particular athlete, I won't name the athlete, but who'd, who'd run badly in a race and the coach had been really harsh with the athlete saying, you know, that why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? Um, and uh, I mean, just with that athlete, I just tried to say, look, remember what you did in that race, how good you are. That's how good you are. Don't, don't let one bad performance shatter your, your self-confidence and just 
just work hard and I'll be praying for you and and so on. So I mean, it's just it's often as little as that. And uh, um, I mean, there's a, there's a coach and I have started the tradition of going out for an ice cream together at uh, at Diamond Leagues, which uh, which is great. I'm all for that. Um, <laughs> yeah that's really lovely it's true it's just about encouraging athletes and and it's nice because I think sometimes when you're abroad when you're away it's just nice to maybe speak to someone who's impartial as well you know not a coach you know not necessarily family sometimes it's just nice to have someone just to chat to like you said it can just be as simple as that and also to even just have a Christian presence wherever you are like Mm -hmm. even if it's just Mm -hmm. knowing that there's an option Mm -hmm. you know there's a community Mm -hmm. there and I think that's why I think with the Bible studies that's really great because it is that communal sense and also must be nice to even just see other athletes in the room and just be like oh wow you know this person's also a Christian and yeah Mm -hmm. just to have that familiarity Mm-hmm. I mean, I just just give you one example of that. I mean, I remember actually was at the at the Beijing Olympics, and I knew a swimmer, and according to ranking, she should have got a medal, but she didn't even get through the heat, let alone the semi final or the final. And when I talked to her afterwards, you know, I would I never forget what she said because she said, you know, I can cope with having a bad day, but I feel I've let everyone else down. You know, my parents have spent thousands of pounds flying to Beijing to see me in the final, and I'm not in the final. My coach has given endless hours to prepare me, and I've failed. And I've let the team down, and funding for the sport may be down because I didn't get a medal. And I thought, golly, you're coping with your own personal disappointment, but yet there's so many other dimensions to this that, you know, I've let my family down, I've let the coach down, I've let the team down, I've let the country down, which is an awful lot to have on someone's shoulders. Yeah, definitely. It's really a lot. And like you said, I mean, the athlete life maybe isn't as as, uh, luxurious and as kind of stress-free as maybe some people, you know, think of it being. There's a lot of pressure involved as well. And and again, that's why it's great to have, um, you know, Christian presence at these events, just to maybe lighten some of that pressure as well through just talking to people. So um, the next question is really about evangelism to some extent so like what advice would you give to those for example listening who desire to share their faith you know with people at their work school or with their sports teams Hmm. well i would say just start by being yourself you know just just being uh no i mean so many people think christians are a bit odd and perhaps some of us are but i mean just just to show that you're normal uh, and also just to show that that your faith is actually relevant um, to every day. Um, I mean, I, I always love something that Tiffany Porter uh, always said. And I, funnily enough, Maz mentioned, used the words. But Tiffany Porter always used to, to say, I never let my highs get too high or my lows get too low. And if you have the personality that can cope with that, then then that that is great, and the, there's a, a a consistency about life. Um, I mean, I I would have to say I'm not the greatest evangelist, um, but you know, just be be yourself and just look for opportunities to serve people. 
uh, look for people to just to show people that you that you care. Notice things. Notice things. Um, just say well done to somebody. Say I'm really sorry that happened. Um, just almost deflect away from yourself because I think it's it's very easy for all of us just to be a bit self-centered, and uh, you know just just to be noticing person, noticing people, and um, you know you hear about about an athlete in the training group who's always encouraging the others, uh, and that I think that can be a great Christian witness just. Just not thinking uh, about yourself all the time, but just think, come on, you seem to be struggling there. Come on, let's just see if we can do the next rep together, uh, and and just just that kind of thing, and 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 just caring. Because um, I mean, I think I think that often we we feel that we've got to preach to someone, but perhaps just living our life before them is as important. Yeah, that that's so true. I mean, I've been thinking about that recently because I was looking at, you know, like the fruits of the spirit yeah. and specifically kindness like stuck out to me and I was like, it's so underrated, right? Just being kind. But actually that's, yeah, that's a great witness because mm. you're being yeah. Christ, like even in your kindness to other people. And mm. it even, it seems kind of small or simple, but actually, yeah, just, just being kind to those around us at work, those in our sport. I remember a Christian athlete once saying to me, at the end of a competition, I always look around for the officials and say thank you, which I think most most times you don't even think about the of the officials. But I mean, he he was a jumper and said, you know, I always just go over to the to, to the people who are measuring the jumps and uh, checking for the, uh, the the files and so on, and just saying thank you for being here. Um, I think that's that's great, uh, you know, just actually to to notice people that are perhaps not noticed by others. Yeah, that's true. And also, what you said before about how you know it's it's important that we also just th- think beyond ourselves. Actually, mm. you know, and it's fair to say that sometimes sport can be quite a selfish, yeah. you know, game. It's very much self centered. It's about your performance, what mm-hmm. you do. So actually, to be able to be a Christian in sport is also to yeah look beyond maybe the self as well. So um, the next question is, what encouragement and advice would you give to Christians in the sports and fitness world? Um, well, I would start by saying to constantly remind yourself that your, your involvement in the sports world is as much part of your Christian life as singing in the choir on Sunday. Um, you know, um, I don't know whether you ever met um, a, a goalball player called uh, Anna Sharkey. Um, she uh, she was in the 2012 Paralympics uh, and then retired two or three years after that. But she used to say, you know, um, I can't sing, so my worship of God is playing goalball. You know, I'm playing for God's glory, and I just love the way that she, that that she she identified what she was doing in sport as the center of her Christian life, really. Uh, and I, I think that's the first thing that that I would say that just just don't um, if if sport is your job or an important hobby, don't begrudge the time you put into it. I mean, don't say, "Oh, I'd better not go training tonight because there's a meeting at church." You know, if you're be be committed to your team to 
uh, your club, whatever. Uh, and you know, you, you know, if you're in a church small group, make sure they know about your involvement in sport and what you do, and have them praying for you. Um, because it's, I mean, sport is such a mission field because there are so many people who don't know Jesus, uh, and you may be the person, you may be the Christian they know best. And so just being there, living your life before them, so that when they have a question, they'll bring the question to you. Um, and, I mean, just things like uh, within my football team, we have a WhatsApp group, and at Christmas or Easter, I'll always send a, just a little bit of a, a Christian message. Just uh, you know, just uh, to remind people that Christmas is about Jesus. Not it's not just about Father Christmas. Um, and again, the thing we we're talking earlier about you know, just just to be a positive influence in in the club, in the training group, be the person who's always um, encouraging others. You know, at times even uh, the person who will do the job that nobody wants to do, like. You know, will you sort of just tidy up a little bit at the at the end of training, something like that? So this, I I, I just think be there, be yourself, pray be pray about being a witness, uh, and but don't feel you have to rush in and and uh, uh, start preaching to people, but just just live your life before them and just uh, just show them uh, and. Um, and of course, often people might ask you, "What did you do on Sunday?" And well, that's obviously an an easy way in by saying, "Well, I went to church." If you did, yeah, yeah, I really love that because I think what you're saying is extremely liberating as well. Because I think we can put yes. a lot of pressure, extra pressure on ourselves, you yeah. know, to kind of like share faith in that perfect way, or you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's true that you know it reflects in our lives. It shows in what we do, and actually, we also shouldn't feel bad at times where, I guess, maybe faith stuff almost gets a little bit compromised. Like I know growing up, um, you know, in sport, I'd I'd often miss like youth youth group at my mm. church mm -hmm. and sometimes that would make me feel dreadful but actually yeah. it's yeah. extremely liberating to know that you know as we do our sport we are worshiping god and we are glorifying god and we shouldn't separate again that sense of church and um faith with you know sport but actually they can come together um, yeah. So, yeah that's great one thing i just like to mention um on this is i have really loved having the opportunity to watch quite a lot of um, para-athletics because it's just such a phenomenal sport and there's some amazing people there um, and you know just to recognize that uh, to me the challenge as a writer writing about it is to bring out how amazing it is without it seeming patronizing you know what I mean yes so that you're not actually I mean um, there's a lovely story but uh, um Jean Driscoll, who was a wheelchair marathon runner, won Boston lots of times. And she tells the story that somebody came up to her and said, do you know, Jean, I think it's wonderful that you can do a marathon. And she said, do you know, you could do a marathon too, if like me, you trained for four hours a day, six days a week. Yeah. Uh, and to me, that's, that's, I mean, when you see the person um, with one leg doing the high jump, I mean, it's beyond belief. When you see a blind person doing the long jump and hurtling down the runway, 
with the coach calling out so that they know the direction to go. I mean, it is just, I mean, it's literally a leap in the dark. And the courage, the courage that it takes to do things like that. Um, I mean, I, th- I think probably, I'm sorry as a wheelchair racer, but I think my all-time favorite is the amputee high jump. You know, yeah. when you see <laughs> when you see someone take off their prosthetic and hop and go over the bar, at a height, frankly, which at a club-level meet, able-bodied, would be very respectable. Uh, and I just think that within your sport, there are so many phenomenal people, and everyone has got a story. Everyone has got a story. Um, I mean, Jared Wallace, who had um, a dozen operations on his leg and who was a runner, and who ultimately took the decision, I want you to amputate the leg, and then I can run with the prosthetic, because if I keep the leg, I'll never be able to run. And, of course, he went on to win a Paralympic gold medal. Yeah. But I mean I just I just wanted to put that into the podcast because I think you are an amazing person and I think those in your sport are amazing people. Um because you mean your level of fitness and strength and everything. Um sorry, just one more little story. <laughs> I was yeah, once talking ahead. to Tatiana McFadden mm, yeah. and I used the word disability to her. And oh, she I said like it. <laughs> and she said I never see myself as disabled. I see myself more in terms of what I'm able to do. And he said, you know, I often find myself in the gym next to a so-called able-bodied man. The only difference is I'm lifting heavier weights. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, yeah. Yeah, Tatiana, another legend. Oh, you're just dropping all these sporting legends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's true what she said, though. It's a good point. I I mean, language around disability is very interesting. Like, yeah. yeah. That's a whole other podcast for sure. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for mentioning that. Because I think, you know, as a para-athlete as well, I I sometimes question, do people really appreciate what we do? Because we train extremely hard. And honestly, there's so many impressive um, stories of, you know, athletes have been through all sorts of journeys, you know, in their lives and are just, doing amazing things on the track and in other sports yeah so that that is really great and also actually to speak a bit of your experience because I know you've traveled all over Mm -hmm. so could you even share with us you know all the Olympics you've been to Paralympics Mm -hmm. uh, World Cups as well let us know you know the traveling that you've you've yeah I've been to I've been to four Olympics Uh, I've uh, been uh, to 2008 Beijing, 2012 London, 2016 Rio, and 2021 Tokyo. I've been to two Paralympics, uh, that's uh, 2012 and 2016. I decided not to go to Tokyo because I had to make the decision at a time when it was just uncertain whether it would happen and how it would happen. Um, and also access to people was was very difficult. So uh, I was sad to miss that, but it just that seemed to be the right decision. But I mean, in terms of world championships, I've been to the uh, been to seven um, world athletics world championships, and um, I've been to four uh, IPC para athletics world championships. So that was, um, I think, it might have been. I wonder. Is it? I mean, I'm wondering if you. It's a, what you've done. No, I, first thing I wanted to do was Lyon, then 
Doha, then uh, London, then Dubai. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much. Yeah, all the ones I've done, and then yeah. Leon was before. Yeah. Before I started on senior level, but yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's really amazing as well. How do you find traveling? Like, it's something that you really, you know, enjoy doing. Yes, I, th- I, I, I do enjoy it. I mean, obviously, I'm at an age I don't need to, uh, and I do enjoy it. Um, I mean, it's. I, I mean, just take the the Olympics in Tokyo as an example. I felt incredible privilege to be there when so many people couldn't be there. I mean, I know there were all the restrictions that you, you know, that 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 you couldn't actually meet people easily and uh, and all of that. But I, I mean, I just thought I accepted that because we're privileged to be there, uh, and a privilege to, you know, to to be at a Paralympics where you have a chance to see the the full range um, of sport. I mean, I, th- I think the Rugby League World Cup has been brilliant for showcasing wheelchair rugby league. And dare I say it, you know, uh, how vicious it can be at times. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, at the Paralympics, I have watched a bit of wheelchair basketball and you see some poor person getting knocked out of their wheelchair and the game just goes on around them. Uh, which, which I, I mean, I think that's, I mean, if, I, if I may say so as an outsider, I think that's great because it just shows um, it is really normal sport by competitive people. Yeah, it's just about... Yeah, normalizing the yeah. experience as well, and yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do to win. So if it means getting falling out of your chair, then that's just part of the job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to finish us off, um, I've just got one last question to ask. So, do you have anything else on your heart to share with with us today? No, I mean, I feel that I have had, I've been incredibly privileged. Um, to be able to bring the passions of sport and the passion for Jesus together, and you know, to be able to um, to go to the Olympics, the Paralympics, the World Cup, and call it work. I mean, that that's a wonderful privilege. Uh, and but the greatest privilege is actually meeting meeting athletes and and just uh, having a little insight into their life, which. Which which most people don't get, but uh, I, so I'm I'm uh, I mean I I love watching people co- that I know compete. Um, I'm supposed to be very um, uh, dispassionate and balanced uh, as a sports journalist, but if somebody you know wins, it's very hard not to get very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that one of the highlights of, of the year um, was being in Oregon, where Jake Whiteman won the men's fifteen hundred meter with his father commentating in the stadium, and how he held it together beautifully and said, "Jake Whiteman is world champion, and he's my son, and I coach him." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. There has been some really amazing moments of sport this year. Oh, so amazing. Thank you so much, Stuart, again, for being with us today. So many amazing things to take from this. I'm looking forward to listening back for sure. And I and I personally feel extremely encouraged. So I really hope that you guys who have listened today, I really hope that you also are encouraged and really empowered to enjoy your sport and not feel bad about it. Know that the sport that you do is worship and not even just sport, because I know there's people who listen who aren't necessarily athletes. Whatever you do, know that 
you know you you can worship God through everything that you do so yeah so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next episode bye bye